Welcome to Ice Cream Sunday. My name is Austin Buckner. Trevor Holder. And we've been we've been pretty vulnerable on this show over the last 19 episodes now. Um, this is probably probably the most vulnerable um, that I've been anyway. But uh, I I've been having this uh, sort of weird. What's that? Weird dreamly. Anytime anyone says something like that, I think of Kingdom Hearts. I just, sorry, I just, <laughs> having this weird. Is that what said? Weird dream? Yeah, it yeah. literally starts out with. Oh really? Like, is, yeah, he I, goes. I've been having this weird dream lately. Is I, any of this for real? I did have a weird dream. I can't talk about it on the air though. Um, but I will tell you when we're done. But anyway, uh, I I've been having this weird like existential crisis lately. This. Uh, like longing for meaning and purpose purpose and uh and i wrote i wrote something very vague about it on facebook and a lot of people a lot of a couple people that have been on this podcast and then other people that listen to this podcast they were like hey man you have this platform that hundreds of people listen to every week not last week there was like 30 but um most most weeks hundreds of people listen to every week and you've used it so far to destigmatize um sex workers and um cancer survivors and um i mean just like sexual um openness with melanie and uh like sort of this nomadic spirit and you, you use that to like destigmatize de- a lot of different things why not use that same platform to destigmatize your own mental illness and so i was like fuck it why not why not talk about how i'm what i'm feeling because i can't be i can't be the only person that feels this way this is certainly nothing new um but i've been dealing with this uh this feeling of existential crisis or existential dread or the continually asking myself like what is the point in in all of this and i think it comes with i know it's probably being sparked right now by like uh feeling like a complete and utter professional failure and we live in a society that um a lot of your not so much your personality but your identity identity is a good word for you a lot of your identity comes from what you do uh professionally what you do uh for a job so um your you work at a bank. You're a banker. You, you're a firefighter. You're a security guard. You're a police officer. You're bartender. A bartender. You're um, 
you're a pharmacist, you're, uh, you know, you're a salesperson, whatever. A lot of your identity comes from what you do professionally. And then I, I, I leave my job, right? Which, um, at one point, I mean, that was my dream job. It was like, I get to interact with the community and build relationships with the community. And I get to, um, I get to work in a place that's like just centered on fun and very energetic and I get to be a part of that every single day of my life. And then you get into that job and you realize that it's ran by people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, and it just becomes, it just becomes way too much. Uh, and then you don't have a job for, it's been, you know, a little over two months now that I've been unemployed other than a very small stint that didn't last very long as a roofing salesperson. Um, and then you just kind of like, you know, you don't have an, you don't have an identity professionally. And then you're like, well, what the fuck am I doing? Like, who am I? What am I? What, what am I doing here? And then, uh, about a week ago when I decided that I wasn't going to do this job anymore, I, I, I came home and I sort of had this weird like mental breakdown, uh, in front of Amy, um, which is probably not the smartest thing to do three months before you're supposed to marry this person. Um, but we'll get into that. But that's the, that's the great thing about Amy is that, uh, she has, she has never been like, Hey, hide who you are from me. It's always been like, Hey, I know you're a deeply flawed person. You were when I met you and we're going to get through it together. And, uh, that's what I love about her. Um, and that's probably, uh, what you love about Heather and what Heather loves about you. It's it's like, Hey, we're, uh, we're all deeply, um, we're all deeply emotional people at our core. And, uh, that's why we have a, (laughs) we have a fucking podcast to talk about it for an hour a week. But, uh, I got home from this long day and I just decided that this job that I had wasn't, um, wasn't for me. Right. Um, I, I was very serious about, uh, I, I, I told them this, that I wanted like a serious work-life balance, you know, and, and I wasn't getting that with this job. And I decided uh, if it's not good now, it's not going to get any better in the future. And I only worked there for probably less than a month. And I just said, you know, I, just, I don't I don't see it getting any better. And uh, I'm going to part ways with this company and no hard feelings or anything. It's just that's, that's just the way it was. And But I had this kind of uh, weird mental breakdown in front of Amy where I just didn't I didn't see the point. Um, you get up and you, you drive to work and you do your work and you come home and you get very few hours or very little time with the person you love the most. And then you get up and you fucking do it every single day for the rest of forever. And then hopefully someday when you're way too old to enjoy it, you're going to retire. And then you finally get a little bit of goddamn freedom. And, um, I just, it just sent me into this like weird downward spiral where I was just like, what the fuck is the point in any of this? Like I just, there's, I don't, me personally, I'm not a religious person. I, I, I gave up on God long ago. Um, but if you, if you, if you are religious and you do believe in a higher power or or a God or a higher purpose, then you have to believe that there's something more than getting up, making money for someone else, 
them throwing the scraps to you um, and then just doing that every fucking day forever. There's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be there's got to be a reason that like we evolved from these like unintelligent fucking savage animals. Uh, if you believe in evolution theory um, that, that we, we evolved or ascended beyond that to become these like intelligent creatures, uh, human beings, there's, there's gotta be a higher purpose than working to make someone else rich while they, like I said, throw us like crumbs and or scraps. Um, and then we just barely get through life financially or emotionally or physically. And then, like I said, someday you might get to retire when you're way too old to like enjoy what life has to offer. I just, I, I, I struggle with that concept of like, I don't know what the purpose of, of life is or the meaning of life, but it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than going to work every day. And, and, and like I said, I think a lot of this sparks from like, uh, yeah, we live in a society, um, <laughs> go capitalism where like most of your identity is tied to like what you do for a living. And, um, your your worth is tied to how much you can produce and how profitable you are and how much a, a company or or another human being can exploit the ever loving shit out of you um but i just i just don't i don't see the the point in in any of it and then so then then that, that that spirals into like these these suicidal thoughts and of course like i'm i'm not going to kill myself if i wanted to kill myself i would have had an, the opportunity to do so many times and i haven't yet and now i have much more to live for now than i did in the past um if i was going to kill myself it would have been years before i had kids um or it would have been directly after my divorce and i didn't so and th life is much better now than it was then so i'm not going to kill myself i'm just saying like you start having these thoughts of like, what's the fucking purpose? And then it's like, oh, there is none. And then you're like, well, then I'm just gonna off myself because like, there's no point in keeping and doing this forever and ever and ever over and over and just the same shit every fucking day until you're dead. There's got to be more to life than this. I just haven't, I just haven't figured out what it is. Um, and so I like, I just, I, I had this, this, these crazy thoughts, like a week ago today, I just, I came home and just like on the verge of tears, just trying to figure out like, what the fuck is the point in any of this? And I just don't have the answers, but it, it, it just, it, it lends back to a conversation that I had April, 2018. I, I went on a vacation down to, uh, the Gulf coast of Mississippi down by new Orleans. Um, and I met, I met this homeless person at a burger restaurant right on the beach, right on the Gulf. And he, he just, he gets up at dawn, right? And he goes and he, he, he basically asks people for money with a sign, cardboard sign with Sharpie marker on it. And he stays out there until he gets enough money to buy like one burger or one meal and he eats at the same burger shop where I met him every day. And then he sleeps on the beach under the stars 
And that man has not worked in probably 20 years. <laughs> and it's the happiest human being I've ever met in my life. Um, he's like, I wake up with the sun. Um, I fall asleep under the stars and, and the sounds of, of water hitting the beach. Um, I eat like the most delicious cheeseburger <laughs> in the world like every day. Um, and yeah, I beg people for money, but at the same time, like I get, I get to meet new people every day. And like, we it, go ahead. It seems like, and this is just what I'm getting from what you said so far is that it seems like the less he had, the more appreciative of everything he that he did have did have. Yeah. Um, he, he valued, um, in a weird way when you're forced to rely on others, um, for your next meal. Um, this is kind of how he explained it to me is that when you, when you rely on other people, you, you value the generosity of others, uh, far more than, if you didn't have to do that, you know? So I meet this guy. Um, and I think that like ever, I mean, I was, I was in a really bad place when I met that person. Um, my, uh, my ex-wife had left with our two kids in January, the end of January. This was the beginning of April. So it was like two months, two and a half months after our separation. And, uh, I was not in a good headspace. And then I decided to take this vacation with a person that I barely knew. And we went down to Mississippi and New Orleans and then over to Galveston, Texas together for this like two week vacation to clear my head and meeting this person that from an outsider's perspective, looking in, like I had a, like, yeah, like my life was crumbling. I had, I was going, I was starting the process of divorce um, but I had a great job. I owned a house at that point. Um, I had all of the material goods that like you're supposed to have that makes you happy. And then you meet this person that has from an outsider's perspective, looking in has nothing. And then that's the happiest person you've ever met. And it just completely like turns your, your world upside down. You're like, what? I mean, what the fuck? Like this guy has nothing. He eats the same treat cheeseburger every day, but like he, he, he valued human interaction and the generosity of others uh, more because that's how, that's how he not made a living, but like, that's how he got his next meal was the generosity of others. And he gets to meet new people every day and he gets to like sleep on the beach. And like what a lot of people think is like, God, that's the perfect vacation. Just sleeping on the beach for a week, you know, the, the sound of the waves crashing on the, on the sand and, um, you know, sunbathing on, on the, the beach and, um, that like nice ocean breeze, like, well, that's his life every day. And, uh, that's what makes him happy. And it just completely turned my, my worldview around. And so every time I get, I get down like this, I think of this guy that I met in Mississippi and I'm like, Oh man, I have all of these things I have. I have everything that i've ever said that i wanted right i i get an opportunity to have like in-depth conversations with some of my best friends um every every sunday 
right? And people listen to it for whatever fucking reason. Um, I, for again, for whatever reason, I'm still embraced by uh, this world of professional wrestling. Um, I have I have friends in like all these different avenues, all these different things that I love. Like I still have friends in like hip hop music and I still have friends in pro wrestling and I still have friends in podcasting. And, um, I'm getting to do some really cool shit that I can't talk about right now that, uh, thanks to the podcast that I'm sure people will hear about weeks from now. Um, and I have amazing friends and I'm close with my family and, uh, my soon to be wife and I live in like the most beautiful home. And, uh, and like, I'm still not happy. Like I have all the things that, like I said, like once I get these things, like my life's going to be perfect. And I'm still like, I'm still reliant on antidepressants and I'm still reliant on therapy. And despite all of that, like I still feel this way. Um, it's like, what is the, what's the point? Like, what's the point in any of this? Like, why keep... Why keep doing this every day when it's just like, I have all the things, I have all the ingredients to the most delicious soup and, uh, that's <laughs> good soup. And, uh, I'm still not happy. I'm, I, it's, I, it's still not there. Um, and I, and I don't know why. Um, and it's kind of like I was saying in the beginning, you can have everything, friends, family, Every material want in the world fulfilled. But if you don't feel okay, it's okay. Yeah. The thing is, if you're still looking for fulfillment, it is possible to find it. And you can find that. It's not the end of the road and you can feel beaten down. You can feel less than what you are. But there is always a way out and there's always something that you can find that will make you feel better. It will like fulfill you and you won't feel any like less than what you are. You won't feel like what's the point? Like mm-hmm. you won't want to give up. So there are things out there. But, I mean, I get what you're saying. I just, and this is just me being like the eternal optimist, like even in a dark situation. Oh, that's it's why just I like, keep you around. Right. Um, there is fulfillment out there, and I'm sure you'll find it. You may not have it now. Just don't forget what you do have. You know, yeah. I, and, uh, I mean, anything that we talk about, anything that we say, is not just to each other, but it is to anyone who is listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said in the intro, like I hope that I I know that I'm not the only person that that feels this way. And talking with other other people about it very briefly um, and keeping it very vague, um, I know that I'm not the only one that that feels this way. Um, and I brought up to Amy, I just, I, I, she was like, why, why don't you feel like fulfilled? What's going to make you feel fulfilled or what's, what's keeping you from feeling, uh, fulfilled. And, and I said that 
I love doing this podcast and it gives me a reason to drive to Des Moines and hang out with two of my best friends uh, every other week and we record two podcasts a week and it, it's like quality time, like three hours every two weeks that I get to spend with like two of my best friends. But at the same time, it's we're we're hanging out because we're trying to produce something. So it goes back to like the the working thing. It's like, oh, I don't get to enjoy time with my friends unless we're making something unless there's something's being produced um with that time and in like a in a weird way like the most therapeutic thing for me over the last like week or week and a half has been hopping on at night and like playing video games with like you and heather because it's time that we get to spend together and like no one expects anything out of it you know what i mean like in a, like nothing's produced like we don't create anything um other than fucking victory royales um but like nothing's expected like there's no one expects anything to come out of it it's just like yeah man we're just chilling like we're just hanging out you know and um that's been like the absolute best fucking thing for me cuz it's like um have you ever seen like the me i don't know if it's a meme but it's like um loitering is the crime of existing without spending money (laughs) um and that's that's kind of how it feels it's like oh i just this is an opportunity to just hang out with my friends and like nothing is we're not expected to like make anything we're not expected to like um say anything profound or you know what i mean like it's just sometimes honestly it happens when we're doing that yeah exactly and it's just like it's an opportunity to just like hang out escape escape and like nothing has to come from it and i feel like going back to like your identity uh being tied to what you produce or how profitable you can be it's nice to have an an outlet where it's just like nothing is expected of me in this like two hours that I'm playing fucking fall guys or Fortnite. Like nothing is expected of me. It's just like, it's an opportunity to just do nothing and feel nothing. And it feels great because of that. And you know, it's, it's important to have some context to this as well since I mean for me personally that's a huge reason why I play. Yeah. And I just I just want people to understand like if your if your thing is gaming by all means please do that. I've done it for years to escape from just just the overwhelming weight of life or uh, personal struggles and issues. Um, I've done it to escape fights between my parents when I, you know, when I was still young and Mm -hmm. and a kid, Mm -hmm. I do it just to relax after a long day of work. I do it just to do it. You know, I, I do it to better myself. You know, there's, a multitude of reasons of why I play games and it's, it's just, 
nice to hear that somebody who who isn't me, who isn't as deep into it as I am, find that same kind of catharsis uh, that I do on it daily. And so it it lends a good uh, perspective. We both, as men in our early 30s, know people still at our age that are single, that never went to college, and that have like a minimum wage job um, still to this day. And for the longest time, I thought those guys were like fucking losers. Um, and they would, they would go and they would do their minimum wage job for eight hours and they come home and they just play video games and, um, and then they would just get up and they'd fucking do it all over again. And I, for the longest time, I thought those guys were fucking losers. And then, like I said, I started getting more things in life that I thought were going to make me happy. Like I got married and I had kids and I bought a house and I was fucking miserable. And I envy those guys that never went to college and work a minimum wage job. Because they're going, they're going to work and they're, they're, they have enough money to cover rent and maybe a car payment. And then they just come home and they like, they do the thing that they love. And, and for them, like video, like gamer is like their identity. And it's like, yeah, I might fucking flip burgers or I might, um, you know, I might run a cash register or I might whatever, whatever insert minimum wage job here. Um, but they don't have the stress of like child support or student loans or whatever. And I, I envy those people that like, oh yeah, like society says like, oh, you have to, you have to get married and you have to have kids and you, you have, have to, to, go to raise a family and you have to go to college and whatever. And then you have these people that are like, I didn't do any of that. And I go home and I spend more time at home doing that one thing I love than, than like, I don't give a shit about my job. It's, it's, it's a paycheck and it fuels these other things I love where I can buy a new video game every couple of weeks or I can, you know, whatever I can, I can rent a movie or I can go to the movies or whatever. Um, and like, like I said, for the longest time, I thought like those people were like the biggest fucking losers. And then I piled on more and more financial responsibility and more and more like personal responsibility with like marriage and kids and a house and car payments and student loans and all of that. And I'm like, well, I'm the fucking loser because I don't have the time or the money to do any of the things I love. And here's these people that like they go home every night and they play Call of Duty for like nine hours. And it's like, oh, but guess what? Like. That's what they love. That's what they like. And I, when I, when I was in, when I was in pro wrestling and I saw all these guys that were like fucking poor and they did like minimum wage jobs and they would work like four 10 hour days and then they would, they would have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off and they would travel across the country and they would get paid maybe 50 bucks and then they would come home and they would just be like, they would have less money than they started with at the end of the trip. And I'm like, why the, like, I, I, I found out that I didn't love pro wrestling as a wrestler as much as I thought I was going to. And then you look at those guys and like, you guys are fucking idiots. Like, why are you letting, like, why are you putting your body through this for like 50 bucks and, and working these minimum wage jobs and, but they, they love wrestling. And at the end of the day, like, did I get paid a whole lot for it? No, but like, 
They were happy. I, I'm, I'm happy because like, this is the thing I wanted to do since I was a kid and I get to do it. And, and so like, it's, it's, I, I hearken back to like the guy that I met in, in Mississippi at a, at a burger restaurant. Like I don't have a lot or, or even, even Zach, uh, Mac yeah. and, uh, Macintosh that we interviewed, uh, super early in the podcast. Like, it's like, Hey man, like I don't need a lot to be happy. Um, I don't have a whole lot of material goods and I don't have like student loan debt. Um, you know, he has a car payment now, uh, for like the first time ever. And, uh, he has, he has very little and his life just seems like it's fucking, it's worth so much. And I know that he talked about like, Hey man, I want some of the things that everybody else has to like, do I want a family and do I want to settle down? And do I want to like, you know, have dinner parties with homies? Like, of course, like I would love to have that. But at the same time, like I don't have a whole lot and my life's fucking awesome. Um, and so it just, it, it completely flipped my worldview upside down where I'm like, Hey, these things that everyone said that you have to have, maybe you don't because I have them. And, um, don't get me wrong. I love those things. I love the fact that like, I'm getting married in less than three months. I'm going to sneeze definitely in the next like two minutes, but, uh, um, but I'm going to get married and I have three amazing kids and knock on wood, I'm going to have another or at least another, um, with this woman that I love more than anything else in the world. Um, and then, and I have uh, this unbelievable house and I live in this incredible community that I love living in. Um, and everyone's super friendly and I have all these things. I'm still like an emotional, miserable mess of a human being. Um, and I don't know why. So I've been trying to find the words to, to explain or to, to just, to just say, but a lot of a lot of what I can say is you can spend time, you can spend money, you can spend, you know, your you know, your blood, sweat, and tears trying to chase this dream that you think you have or that society has, has kind of conditioned you to to want to have American dream. Right. You can do that. And but the thing is, because of that, we've grown up thinking that you always need to want more. You you need mm-hmm. to better yourself all the time. And for some people, that works. For some people, that's okay. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not here to shit on it or anything like that. But at what? the at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with being content Mm -hmm. there is nothing Mm -hmm. wrong and you can have people tell you oh you could be doing so much more and that's fine yeah they may be right but at the end of the day there's nothing wrong with being content being content is being happy yeah being satisfied with your life and for a lot of people austin being a prime example like just being content is enough. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, at Shamrock, 
when I worked at Shamrock Roofing for a brief time, uh, we called it the Jones effect or, or they, they referred to it as the Jones effect and it's keeping up with the Joneses. And I think that that crazy rat race that we're all stuck in, um, is, uh, it's a nightmare. It's, uh, you know, you, you get a house, right? And then you just want a bigger house or you get a car and you just want a nicer car or you, you start dating someone and you're like, oh, well, I want, you know, I want someone prettier. Or I want someone better. Or, um, you know, you, you marry someone and it's like, well, they have these flaws and, and you're never fucking satisfied. And it's, it's, this, it's this nightmare scenario, this spiral that you're all in. And, and going back to a conversation that I had with, with Amy, um, a week ago when I nightmare scenario and had a mental breakdown and, um, thought I was going to have to go to a special hospital. Um, we had this conversation about like, um, you know, why, why don't you feel fulfilled or what, what profession or what could you do professionally that's going to make you feel like you made it? And I said, I, I, I honestly have no idea. And I think a lot of this stems from, and, and don't get me wrong. I still hold my, my, uh, my grandfather in, in the very high regard. I think a lot of that pressure comes from wanting to fill his incredibly large shoes. So a lot of people that listen to this podcast know me personally. Those who don't, my grandfather um, was, he did like everyone's taxes in Adair County. Um, he was school board president. He was uh, on the city council. He was mayor pro temp. He was on the um, county fair board. I mean, he dedicated his life to serving the community that he lived in. And I, I still want to honor that. And I still want to do that for Pella. Um that's another reason that this job that I recently had where I was commuting back and forth to Des Moines, I was like, wait a minute, this is not what I had in mind. This is not what I wanted to do. I said that the whole reason I wanted to get a job in Pella, which I had before I left the place that we can't talk about, um, I got that job because it was located in Pella. I want to serve Pella. There's a lot of pressure on me to be like what, my grandfather um, expected of me. And I, 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 t- I shared the story with Amy. And when I, if you look in a yearbook um, from 2007, it says Austin Buckner is going to Northwest Missouri State University and he's majoring in accounting. And I did that for one semester. And the whole reason I wanted to do that is because my grandfather was getting to the age where he was going to retire and it aligned with me graduating college and I was just going to take over that business. And I got one semester through college and met these people of different uh, religions and different ethnicities and, and different backgrounds financially or racially or what have you. Um, and I very quickly realized that the last thing in my life that I want to do is be stuck in Greenfield with the same people that I despised in high school for the rest of my life. 
And so I came back after winter or during winter break after my first semester freshman year. And I told my grandfather, there's no fucking way that I'm following your path. Um, I don't, I don't want to do accounting. I don't want to take over the family business. And as much as like, I respect him and I love him and I think that he, he loved me as well. Um, that created, uh, this sort of unspoken, like butting of heads between us because he ended up getting very sick and he ended up selling his business to someone else. Um, that was like a, it's, it, it's a family member. Um, we're related in some way that's never really been explained to me. Um, but that business isn't what it is. And it's not run in the same way that my grandfather ran it and the family and my grandfather himself saw a lot of his clients, uh, leave. And that created this, like I said, unspoken butting of heads between me and him. Um, because that was supposed to, that wasn't supposed to be Karen Havens. It was supposed to be me that took over that business. That business was supposed to be sold or given to me. Um, and I think that that got a little bit better when I, I decided, hey, I'm going to be a journalist. And then I went and worked for KSIB Radio. And every morning, my grandfather got to hear my voice. And he's like, shit. Like, that kid's actually really fucking good at the one thing that he chose to do. Um, so yeah, when he passed away in 2011, a few months after I graduated college, um, he, I think he, in my opinion, he passed away knowing like, Hey, maybe, maybe he made the right decision. Um, but even then, like my identity was tied to, I talk on the radio and everyone knew me as like the guy that talks on the radio, you know? And, um, and then I think in a weird way, like the happiest that I ever was in my adult life is when I fucking left that job and I went and lived in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I worked at this call center and no one, nobody knew who I fucking was. And my identity wasn't, I, I call college graduates and I try to collect their student loan debt. That wasn't my identity. My identity was like, I'm a cool early 20 year, I'm in my early 20s and I go and I get drunk at bars and I fucking rap on the weekends and um, I have sex with literally every woman in Lincoln, Nebraska. Like that was the happiest in my adult life I've ever been. And then when I moved to Des Moines and I worked at like Wells Fargo, my identity was not like I work at Wells Fargo. I collect home mortgage debt on the phone. It was I'm a dipshit who lives with Millie Matsy. Um and I go to the garden sometimes and I get hit on by gay dudes and it's the best fucking time. Like my, my most, uh, by the way, not to cut you off, but when you came back to Des Moines and yeah. when you were living with Melanie, that was the first time I ever started going to the garden oh and actually God. like, it's the best. like being a part of that scene and, and, and getting, getting more and more friends that were a part of the community yeah, say it's the best. Yeah, it is the best. Hands down, like I've never met a more accepting and loving uh, community. I think that in most most uh, most club scenes, right? There's this underlying um, feeling from most women that like 
the majority of men are there just to try to fuck them. Um, and that's never what I went to clubs for at all. I just, I, I wanted to go and listen to music and drink and have a good time. And at the garden, cause it's a gay club, you go there and everyone's just having a great time. And like, Melanie is, uh, friends with literally every gay person that's ever existed. Um, and so she knows everyone. It's, it, she's like, she's like the, the Heather Holder of gay people. She knows all of them, <laughs> right? And so to have her as like, hey, this is my straight friend. He's not here to be hit on. He's not here to hit on anyone. Like being at a gay club and it's like, oh, there's not this underlying like Austin's trying to fuck everyone or please stay away from him because hey, he's not. here just have a good yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It literally just becomes like, hey, I'm just there to listen to great music, to like enjoy the vibes, drink, have a great time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I loved that part of my life. And I had, I came to Des Moines with literally like a laptop, my phone and a bag of clothes. I had nothing. And I keep hearkening back to like this same guy that I met in. I wouldn't meet him for another like four years, but this, I, I this can't guy. remember when we did our intro uh, episodes to each of us. Yeah. Did we name drop that person you were with in Lincoln? The the girl that I was dating? Yeah. Did we? Probably not. Can we? Sure. Fuck you, Carrie. Piece of shit. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to remember her name. Yeah. That you w- redheaded piece of shit. That's, uh, that woman uh, ruined me. Um, and... Uh, <sighs> So, have you ever, I don't know how to explain it. I was very naive, because I had had really bad relationships before that, right? Really bad relationships. And then her and I, like, never got in an argument, ever. Never fought, nothing. I mean, that relationship was perfect. And then you find out that the reason we didn't have any arguments is because every negative thing she thought about me, she never said out loud to me, to my face, which can be a good thing, but was mostly bad because then when you, uh, then when you find it, right, in a diary, um, stashed in a box of your things, clearly to be found, um, then you find out that she thinks that you're a colossal failure and, uh, she never, she said yes to your uh marriage proposal but had no uh no intentions no intention that's the word i'm looking for no intention of actually ever marrying you um so that created a lot of trust issues um that i carry to this day so uh yeah yeah um and that's why and i don't i don't want to say like i take it out on amy because i don't i don't think i do anyway but i have a lot of trust issues and amy and i are the same way like we've never like i've never like We've never had like a real true, what I would call like a real fight where we're like, you know, where we're like up in arms and like screaming at each other, like what a real like domestic fight looks like in Hollywood. Like we've never had that. It's We've had conversations and we've had arguments that are very civil. Like, I don't like this thing you're doing. I think it's disrespectful. Like we've had serious conversations, but we've never gotten like a real fight. Um, suffice to say, this is the best relationship I've ever been in. Um, but because of what happened with Carrie, I'm like, wait a minute, this seems too good to be true. 
And then I start getting in my head and I'm like, when's, when's the other shoe going to drop? You know what I mean? Like you start thinking like, because you have all of those trust issues from previous relationships, you're like, something's going on here. Like, does she really want to marry me? I know she said yes. I know she said yes in a room with all of her friends in it, but does she really want to marry me? And you carry those weird trust issues with you. But um, yeah, I think that going back to what we were talking about before, like, I think there was just a lot of pressure on me to... This is going to sound really shitty, but my uncle, Trent, was successful. And he did exactly what his parents, my grandparents, wanted of him. He went to college, the same college that my grandfather went to. And he graduated, and he had a successful career in the the job field that he chose, which was music education, right? Um, but uh, my other uncle... Um, probably wasn't as successful as uh, as his younger brother, as, as his parents probably wanted him to be. And I don't think that this, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want this to be misconstrued as me talking shit about my mother, but like my mother hasn't really had too many jobs as an adult. Um, when we're talking about identity, her identity is, is, mostly tied to the person that she's dating. She's uh, she's like a serial monogamous. She'll have a serious relationship, right? That'll go south, and then she'll get into another serious relationship. Um, not like, it, it's hard to explain because it's not like, oh, she's promiscuous or she's a whore or whatever. It's just like, hey, she finds love and she sticks with that person for years and then it doesn't work out. And then she goes to the next person and it doesn't work out. And then she goes to the next person, but there's no like, there's no break in between. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so probably not as successful as her parents would have liked her to be. And it's not so much a commitment issue either. No, 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 no. She no. is committed. Oh my God. So committed uh, to a fault. Yeah. Um, but then, and again, this is not to talk shit about my siblings, but like, my brother went to college for a semester and he failed every class because he um he didn't he 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 told everyone that he didn't go to class because he didn't have any friends. So my grandparents sent him back to college for a second semester. And then he said the second semester that he didn't go to class because he had too many friends. Um and now he works in these kind of uh entry-level position jobs and i think that he's doing very well for himself and he's definitely matured over the last you know decade or so but probably not as as successful as my grandparents would have liked him to be um my sister went to community college and then went to iowa state and things did not go the way that she would have probably liked them to go and she kind of bounced around from uh, job to job and she's had some um probably some of the same mental health issues that i've had um uh, maybe more severe than than mine at times even um maybe not as successful as our grandparents would have liked her to be a lot i i felt anyway that there was a lot of pressure on me to be the same level of success that um that i saw trent have and maybe that was me putting pressure on myself to be like the good child or the successful child. Um, 
maybe that maybe that pressure uh doesn't exist maybe it never existed maybe i put it all on myself either way how i perceived it was real legitimate pressure from my my family to be the successful sibling um and you ever hear tales of like talented and gifted youth and then when they grow up they are burnt out like failures i feel like that in a way is is me like when i was in high school i was um you know, I was in 4-H and I was in band and choir and cross country and I did like everything. I did all the things. And now this like talented and gifted and like everyone thinks he's going to be successful as an adult. Like I just, I didn't live up to anyone's expectations and, and now I'm like depressed about it. I feel like that's, I feel like that's what I've, I've become in a way. And like I said, that pressure could be me putting all of that pressure on myself um maybe i i fabricated all of this myself but uh it feels like i i let a lot of people down that expected uh more out of me but again all of that pressure could have been me putting it on on myself and if i ever have these conversations with like my parents my parent or my grandparents, they're going to be like, yeah, we expected nothing of you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but to me, it seemed like there was a lot of pressure for me to be um, the one that excelled beyond uh, the bare minimum. And I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've, uh, I don't know if I've met those expectations. I certainly haven't exceeded them, but I don't even know if I've met those expectations. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to add on to that because, I mean, I feel like you, you've met expectations to some degree, um, even if they haven't been your own necessarily. Yeah. The The thing is, and this kind of goes back to to what I was saying earlier is like being content and being happy and trying to fit into a mold that's not necessarily like conditioning yourself to like buy your happiness and mm-hmm. and 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 fit to what what is expected of you. It's tough to put into words, and I know that. It's just sometimes what you need to expect of yourself isn't so much what is expected of you by others, but just set the bar low for yourself. As as odd and weird as that sounds, no, it doesn't sound weird at all. There's a um... like I said, it's very tough to find the words to like really adequately describe it, but set the bar low for yourself. Like sit, like what makes you happy? And then just be content with what you have. You don't need to strive to get more, be more, do more. I mean, that may be something you want to do and that's fine. That's okay. 
but you don't have to make that a requirement to make yourself happy. Do you know who Pete Holmes is? Yeah. Stand-up comedian? Yeah. So he has this bit. This is from years and years and years ago. But he has this bit that where he says that success is just lowering the bar on what you'll pat yourself on the back for. Which, like, yeah, you know. Um, I think that I think that part of my part of my issue is that like a long time ago people were like, Hey, what do you what do you like? What are you into? And what can you what skills do you have that you can turn into a job? But I've tried that so many times. Um, I tried to do like the rap music thing and as much as a lot of people would like not to admit it, I was very, very good. And um, that thing that started out as like making beats on a PlayStation video game and hanging out with my friends and uh, putting shows on together and not expecting much and then exceeding those expectations because the bar was so low. That turned into like opening for Tech Nine in in Tech Nine's hometown of Kansas City, and traveling the Midwest and doing these shows and like that sort of became like like rap music became tied to my identity, and it no longer was like a hobby. It was a job. It was if a certain number of people don't come out to my show. I'm a failure. Or if I don't get a certain number of streams on SoundCloud of this song that I released, I'm a failure. And it it I it, it became like I don't do it for the the love of the art form. I do it because I'm trying to make a profit. Um and the same with pro wrestling. Um I loved training. And I still love training. I, I still love going to Marshalltown and training with Austin Fouts and, and rugged pro wrestling. I hate traveling and being in front of a crowd. And I hate it because my love for pro wrestling um, becomes how entertaining are you to this audience? Or... How many how many asses did you put in seats? How many tickets did you sell? How how popular are you on social media? And again, it it became like it's not it's not for the love of this art form. It's not this this love of this this form of entertainment that I've been watching since literally the day I was born. It became your how how profitable is your passion and so so when when someone asked me like hey what uh what can you do or what what would you like to do that would make you feel fulfilled i have no idea because i certainly don't want to take something that i already love and turn it into a job because i'm just going to end up hating that thing then um i've always said like the the more the more disconnected I got from hip hop music as a performer, the more I loved it as a fan. And the more I got, and the more disconnected I became from professional wrestling as a performer, the more that I ended up loving it as a fan. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that thing is that it's like, Hey, if you do this, you're going to be really fulfilled and happy. I have no idea what that would be. No idea. 
I have I I don't have any um I don't have any profitable skills, but at the same time I feel like if I used those skills, I wouldn't have those skills anymore because I would end up hating them. Um So like I said, I'm I'm uh I'm I'm confused and and frustrated and uh I'm Again, I'm going to keep repeating this phrase because I, 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 it's just the best way to explain it to people. I'm not suicidal um, because I hate life. I'm suicidal because I don't understand it or I don't get the point of it. Um, that's where I'm at. And I feel like after an hour of ranting about it, um, I don't have any answers. But hopefully, at the very least, someone will hear this and be like, oh, I'm not the only one that feels this way. And if yeah. if one person hears this and is like, yeah, that's exactly how I'm feeling, then mission accomplished. Um, I think the destigmatization of, of things that we've talked about on this show is why I still do it. Um, and hopefully at least one person hears this and is like, oh, yeah, it's normal to, to feel this way. Because um, like I said, there's, there's uh, what, seven and a half billion people on Earth? I can't be the only one that has these feelings.